Hi, I'm Rochelle Gray. Over the past 20 years, I have struggled with the symptoms of seasonal affective disorder, but now I think it's time for a change. Join me in my journey of discovery as I find ways to manage the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual symptoms of depression. You know, we all need someone who understands what we're going through. So I'm here reaching out to you, and I hope you'll follow along as I learn about the causes, the symptoms, and the treatments available for SAD. Get ready to learn something new and maybe even see yourself in a whole new light. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Sad Self. This week I had the privilege of talking to Betty Ann Buat, a counselor and life coach living in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. She's been in private practice since 2002 and has her own business called Buat Psychotherapy Services. And she's also opened a wellness center in Wolfville called A Tranquil Place. There she works with other practitioners and utilizes a multi-modality approach to achieve health and wellness. I asked Betty Ann to talk to me about seasonal depression and depression in general during the holiday season. We all know how stressful it can be to deal with our families and friends, and I just wanted to get a professional input on coping mechanisms we can use and different strategies to put in place when we have to face these situations. So let's have a listen and hear what Betty Ann has to say about stress and the holidays. One of the things about depression is that it affects everybody differently. And so um, as a result of it, you may feel fine one moment, but at the next, something someone says or the even the weather outside can trigger you. The next thing you know, you're like feeling very sad or very down or, or actually like a loss of emotion and you just don't even know how to feel. Some people get very tired. They can get stressed very easily and emotional quickly. I think, too, with the holidays, what a lot of people don't remember is not only is it a holiday season, which in itself can have both positive and negative memories associated with it, but people are indoors and now they are sort of on top of one another. And normally when we're experiencing, you know, different times of year, well, if we're feeling stressed, we can get outside, we could go for a walk and we can connect with nature. At this time of year, the fall and, and through the winter, it's much more difficult to get outside. And so you end up inside around a lot of people. And I think that that's when it's going to be really important for people to, you know, number one, figure out what their self-care looks like and then give themselves permission to practice it. That can be as easy as saying no. That's right. It's easy as saying no. It's also saying to yourself, what are my triggers? For example, maybe you're fine around a room of two to three people. Some people can manage five or six. Once the numbers get higher, and again, if it's a more confined space, it becomes more and more challenging. So I think, you know, no is a very important one. Also, to not feel obliged to participate in everything. People have different ideas about what holiday represents. And then recognize that our holidays don't even have to happen on the day that you can choose to celebrate together on a designated day 
and that you may choose not even to be with anybody on the, so let's say, uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. Dealing with the holidays, a lot of it is, a lot of it's family. I find myself, I get short-tempered very easily, which leads to other people getting short-tempered and we just feed off one another. What kind of things should people be doing to prepare for these situations where they know they're going to be around a lot of people? Well, I think that, you know, the first thing I might recommend to people is that they decide before they even go to someone's house or to an event, how long they want to stay and that they and their partner do what I call tag team. They might say to their partner, oh, you know, I think we're heading for somewhere else, you know, at such and such a time. Or they might even let the people know that this is how, how long we can stay. The other thing is to not feel like you have to give excuses all the time. And then the third thing is to talk to the people that you're going to see to have expectations outlined so that you don't feel overwhelmed when you get there. I also think when you're there to remember to give yourself grace to say, if I need to take time out, I'll take it. I'm not trapped in this situation. If I need to have that one person, that safe person for me to go to, take another 10 minutes in the bathroom and do a meditation or do a mindfulness activity. Because what happens in these situations is we can become short-tempered because we go into what's called our emotional or our fight-flight-freeze brain. So you might even have some things that you use as coping skills on hand. And they can be as short as five minutes to as long as 20 if you need it at the time. And a lot of it is about redirecting where your thoughts are. That's something that I've been implementing in the last little while, just to try to center myself and focus myself so I'm not overwhelmed by everything around me. You know, am I now feeling grounded? Am I starting to feel um, safer? Or do I need to do it again? So you do that little bit of a check-in. And a few other strategies you can actually use in the moment, too, is when you enter a house, you actually use the strategy like right then and there. What do I see? What do I hear? What do I taste? What do I um, touch? What do I smell? To ground yourself right into the present moment and kind of try to say to yourself, how am I feeling knowing that now I know where I am and what I need and who's with me? I also really want to stress, though, about permission you know, giving yourself permission. Because when we get into old family systems, we can believe that we don't have choice. And I think it's really important to remember that we do have choice, even in that present moment. It's so true. Every one of I feel like I have to, I'm obligated. There's no way out, that kind of thing. But as, as I've gotten older, I've learned that talking about how I feel definitely helps. But when you're going into a house full of strangers, that it's hard to bring up the fact that you're uncomfortable and you feel out of place. There's a point where coping isn't working. And I know that my point is when I get to the point where I can't get out of bed and I'm not functioning like a normal human being. And I know that's my signal that it's time to talk to somebody. How about somebody who's having trouble coping? How do they know when it's time to reach out There must be key features that we can look for in ourselves. Um, Well, I think that there are some key features. Some of them include a feeling of exhaustion, not able to do your daily functions. 
So if you feel like you can't get up, you can't eat, you can't sleep even, even though some people can't get out of bed, they have difficulty sleeping, difficulty holding a conversation, even difficulty keeping a one thought going. So they'll start to think about something and then their thought just drops off and then they're thinking about something else. And I call it the whirling dervish. They get ruminating and it keeps jumping from one thing to the next to the next. So the the rule of thumb is, is that if we have one or two days where we're down and out, yes, that, that, that can happen to anybody. Combine that with sickness because we could be exhausted even by physical health issues. But if it continues on, I'd say three or more days, and you can't do your normal daily functions, having trouble brushing your teeth, having a bath, the, the normal functions that we think of for day-to-day care, I think then it's time to seek out help. Some of the ways to seek out help would include a safe family or friend that knows us well and that would help us to kind of navigate what are the possibilities or what we do to get help. Nowadays, especially in Nova Scotia, we have the 811 service where you can actually talk to a nurse and you can describe these symptoms that you're having and they may have a recommendation for you. So that's one route to go. If you're able to see your doctor or healthcare practitioner, sometimes it's a nurse practitioner now that a lot of people are seeing as well and get an appointment, that's one way to do it. I say to people though, if it becomes serious and what do I mean by serious? If you have thoughts that are leading to you feeling suicidal in any way or thoughts of self-harm, then it's important to try to get to help as soon as you can. And then with your healthcare provider, you're going to try to come up with a plan of what's in your best interest. So sometimes it's medication, sometimes it's housing or psychotherapy, sometimes it's a combination of both. The best way that you can be your own kind of self-advocate is that if you are able to note any signs or symptoms. Sometimes when I see people, Rochelle, I often ask them a lot of physical health questions because I need to know if their physical health symptoms are there, then I know if that's affecting their mental or emotional health. So that's why I would be asking a lot of questions about it. And then this time of year and Christmas and everything all on top of each other makes it hard to cope to have that extra stress added to everything else. One of the things that I get, I personally have had trouble telling people that, you know, I have an issue with depression and that I have seasonal affective disorder. So letting people know can sometimes be an issue. And again, like you've been saying, giving yourself permission and it's okay to be the way you are. Is there any way that would make it easier for somebody to approach some friends who do not know why I'm canceling on them or not wanting to get into a group of people that I don't know how I can explain to them what I'm going through? Well, I think that kind of give them a little bit of information, but only as much as you want to share. You might start by explaining what seasonal affective disorder is. And then once you give them a very like succinct definition, you might say, and did you know that I'm dealing with that? Talk a little bit about how it is not year round, how it affects you personally, and some of the things that you decide for yourself. Because if they're asking you to do one or two or three different things, 
that you say to them, I can only pick one, and this is why. The other part of it, though, is to kind of read your audience, because some people are naturally empathetic. Some people are tend to be good listeners, but other people, unfortunately, don't have those skills. And so it's important to decide if it's worthwhile to tell them or not. If they're a good friend and you have a close relationship and you know that they would be understanding, I think it would be important to start with people that you feel safe with in that way. I do feel, again, though, it's not necessary for you to tell everybody. When I say this to you, I totally believe in um, people sharing as much as they feel comfortable with about their mental and emotional health, because the more that we can normalize it, the less stigma that it has in society. But one of the issues is we still have a lot of people who are uneducated, unaware, or not sympathetic. And that's not helpful. And it's so true. I've been in a case where the topic of seasonal depression comes up in just a general conversation. And people are like, that's just the winter blues. Everybody gets that. I want to automatically pounce on them and say, no, it's not just the winter blues. There's more to it than that. But at the same time, I don't want to put myself out there and let them know that I know firsthand. But that just that negativity, that automatic, oh, that doesn't exist. I find people will accept depression more than they will accept a seasonal depression. I think what happens is sometimes people minimize uh, seasonal affective depression because of their own discomfort with mental health issues. And so, again, you have to say to yourself, how much do I want to share or educate others? Because if people aren't ready, if you don't have an audience that is willing to listen, then it's going to be more, could be possibly more destructive for you than it would be helpful. And that's why in that situation, I just sort of let it go. Because I knew if I started to speak up, then it would, I would get frustrated. They might not even notice, but for me as a sufferer, it was just easier to just leave it alone. So there's a wonderful documentary that I recommend to anybody. It's called The Grounded. It was based out of Hinesville, Alaska. And it was about a man who had a physical health problem. And what happened is he had hurt his back. And for 10 years, he was in back pain. And he was told by the Indigenous people in the area, you need to go skin to skin he went underneath his house that was built up on stilts and he took off all his clothes and went to skin to skin with the earth. Because he's a chemist and a scientist, he had to research why it was that after 20 minutes, he stood up and had no back pain. And he found out about the principles of being grounded to the earth and how important that is. So I bring that up because it's a wonderful documentary, but it actually talks about why it is when we're out in nature that it's a positive even though they call it a neutralizing or negative effect, it means that our body gets overcharged by computers, phones, internet, and everything that we're doing. And when we go out in nature, it gives off ions that actually neutralize our body. So I guess the long and short of it, I'm saying that if at all possible for people to try to get outdoors or to introduce, we know all about natural light now or the light lamps, any way that we can bring nature inside. Some people create greenery inside their house that can be helpful for them. So anywhere we can access the right side of our brain, anything creative like piano, doing uh, paintings, print work, any uh, writing, anywhere where we can do some creative activities will actually help 
again, to take us out of that emotional brain, it actually leads to our logical brain when we're doing art activities or creative activities of any kind. And then self-care is going to be huge. So every day when you wake up, try to put yourself first. Do I need 10 minutes for mindfulness or meditation? Do I need to do yoga? Is it important for me to listen to a podcast or music to start my day off in a positive way? And then if I am working, do I make sure I take nutritious, healthy breaks? Do I look after me and say that it's okay for me to say no? And then what does my self-care look like? Do I like to take a bath? Do I like to listen to music, light a candle? What ways am I going to care for myself? Do I need that half an hour to talk to a friend or family member that's going to make me feel safe and reassured? Do I try to do acts of service if I feel up to it? Sometimes writing a card, phoning that person that you know needs that phone call, or even having a short visit can actually give back to our own mental health. And then to access our spiritual side, depending on our belief system, what ways do we kind of connect with the universe in a positive way? For some people, it's through religion, through other people, it's through spiritual acts, gratitude. And the other part of it is grace. So I say to people, try to be graceful to yourself. And what does that mean? It means if you're having a rough day, it's okay to acknowledge it. It's okay to say, well, today I think I need another half an hour to myself. And it's to renew yourself in a positive way. I think that we sometimes forget that it's okay for us to look after ourselves. I think that we have a society that is outward a lot of times And so people think that you're only validated if you're with others or somebody notices you or the way you dress. And I say to people that you really need to honor your own spirit, who you are. There are people that are introverts. And if you're an introvert, that means you need time for yourself to renew. If you're an extrovert, you find time out with others is important. And some people sit on the cusp where you need a bit of both. One of the things that we had touched on during our phone conversation was living in the now and how important that is when you're dealing with stressful situations. I think people forget about how to be in the now because our heads can be so crowded with either other people's expectations or our past thoughts or feelings. Even our atmosphere, if we create a room we feel is really wonderful for us, it might have plants, it might have music, but it might have just a beautiful look. People connect with their pets because pets don't go back to the past or don't go to the future. They're in the now. I think what happens is, is that when we get triggered, we definitely go down the rabbit hole and can go to negative thinking. And it's very difficult sometimes to see the positive side of ourselves. Create a list of things that are helpful to you, your own self-care or your positive qualities when you're feeling good so that you can go back and just look at that list whenever you need to, if you're having a difficult time. The other thing is actually our language. So being very aware of our language, we have to keep that in mind too. And one of the most important things is our sense of humor. 
if we can find a reason every day to give ourselves a laugh and and to remember not to take ourselves too seriously, to find something that gives you that laugh once in a while. Maybe it's your partner, maybe it's your pet, or maybe it's a funny TV show or yourself. Sometimes even having those kinds of books around like laughter is the best medicine or listening to a comedian, but something that kind of reminds us that life can be challenging and and difficult and definitely sad, but it can also be happy. And to not feel like well, you can't have both. And that in the midst of tears, you can all of a sudden find something that's funny. And that's part of our humanity. Wise words from Betty Ann Buot, our special guest today on My Sad Self. So I hope you learned something and I hope you feel a little better dealing with social situations. And it doesn't have to be during the holidays. It can be anytime. So once again, have a wonderful week. Please take care of yourself. And remember, you don't have to be sad by yourself. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Rochelle Gregg or on Facebook at Rochelle Gregg. Thanks again, and I hope to see you next time.